Hello, and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy. I'm here in a virtual room, thanks to Zoom, with Ronaldo Brutico, the Academy's president and founder, and Benjamin Schwartz, our producer for this show. The World Business Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit think tank and action incubator dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment their work touches. We are recording this show on June 27th, 2020. And Ronaldo, we have a ton of things to get through today, but I wanted to just see what you're thinking about. Wow. Thanks, Christy. I mean, what's there not to think about? <laughs> this is, I just I keep getting reminded of that old Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. And nothing is more interesting than the time we live in, unfortunately. Uh, this is this is the one for the record books. Um, so I just I want to start with, um, I had the good fortune of catching an interview by Paul Krugman this morning. And as many of you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Paul's work. In fact, if, if you read Paul's economic analysis and you read mine, you're reading the same thing in two different ways. Uh, and Joseph Stiglitz, quite commonly, is also in that camp. Austin Goolsby, not all as much. Goolsby is a little bit more traditional. But Krugman is really what, a, what I would call a fundamentalist, as is Stiglitz. And, and so I, I really agree with almost everything Krugman's written about the economy, and I'll comment on some of that right now. But, but what I don't agree with on, which, and so I'm raising it, for the first time I found something I didn't agree with Krugman on. So Krugman understands, the very first question he was given, should we try to fix the economy first and then worry about getting the pandemic under control because so many people are unemployed? Or should we get the pandemic under control and then fix the economy? And Krugman correctly said, which I fully agree with, that's a false choice. There, you can't possibly build the economy. It's not possible until the pandemic's under control. So you've got no choice. You have to put the pandemic under control. And, and failing to do so is not only hurting the economy today, it's doing structural damage, which will cause the economy to be weaker longer. Absolutely. That part is really crystal clear and right. Where we separated company today was when Krugman was asked about the, the Elizabeth Warren. Let's give credit where credit due. Andrew Yang came out in the campaign and said, let's give $1,000 to every adult in America because we just aren't going to have enough jobs. And he was focusing primarily on AI, artificial intelligence. He wasn't focusing as much on structural change, although I think he had that in mind too. So the idea of there'll be fewer shopkeepers uh, and more Amazon employees actually may end up washing and you may end up finding out that going to work for Amazon at a minimum opening wage of $15 is going to work out better for retail clerks whose minimum wage was about $10. So there are some pluses as we convert to the electronic economy. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, but the downside, clearly, is that we're in transition. And what Yang was saying in the campaign is you've got to fund people indefinitely through this transition because we just don't need 40-hour work weeks anymore. And we don't. They're a liability. And there's no magic to 40. You know, it used to be 60. We went to 40 and the economy prospered. We went to 35, we do even better. Happy to explain it. I think that there's some places, I think New Zealand is looking at imposing a thirty or a four-day work week. Yeah, well, and France has long argued for a 35-hour week. Right. Americans have much longer work schedules than almost anywhere in the entire world. Well, actually, although we theoretically have a 40-hour work week, we actually work about 56 hours a week on average, which is crazy. And we don't have vacation. We don't have anything else built in there. So our quality of life is really in the toilet. Well, and, 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 well, as we said in, in our show on, the, on Solutions News, it's a opportunity if you go to a 35-hour work week to start rediscovering what we like that, that made us human in the first place. And when you don't have enough jobs, because you don't, 
uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. We're going to end the year, uh, Chairman Powell says, with a 9.2% unemployment rate by December 31. He is hopelessly wrong. There's no conceivable way he could be right. And it's going to actually be about, I'm going to guess, 15%. And that's if they count the numbers fairly, because right now it's at 16.2 or 16.4%. And I don't think it's going to come down dramatically by December 31. There'll be some lowerings and there'll be some big blips going up, which we'll talk about right now. But I'm really concerned that Krugman feels that we cannot afford either the Yang proposal, which is $1,000 a month indefinitely. No one's talking about that. Or the Elizabeth Warren proposal, which I like better, which is $2,000 a month per adult until the coronavirus is behind us. And I add to that my belief, it's I would call it behind us when we're at 10% unemployment or less. So if Powell is right, the Elizabeth Warren plan would go out of effect as soon as we hit less than 10%. So it wouldn't be around a long time. If he's wrong, which is what I think is the case, we're going to need that Elizabeth Warren money to keep the economy propped up. Because what Krugman did clearly say, and he's absolutely correct, what's kept the economy going is not the trillion and a half that Mnuchin has doled out to his friends and to big business, agribusiness particularly. That isn't anything for the economy. What's really helped the economy is all those checks, the $500 billion that went to individuals. And I just want to go on the record because a lot of news people don't have a lot of depth in their coverage. They started you know, seizing on the fact that uh, quite a bit of money, a billion dollars went to dead people or something. And, and um, as if that was a really interesting fact, and it has, it's an insignificant, it's a nothing fact, because uh, dead people don't cash checks generally. So those checks come back to the Fed. They don't get cashed. And if they do get cashed with a small amount of fraud, the Fed, it's easier for the Fed to clean it up. So that's not the issue. The issue is all the money that went through Mnuchin. And we don't know who he gave it to. We don't know why he gave it to him. We don't know the amount that he gave. We have no transparency. And we know the agricultural money is going disproportionately to red states that Trump's trying to hang on to. So there is literally a farm in Georgia, which has received 33 times more money from the federal government in these stipends, farming, than the biggest year of its cash crop. 33 times. So the value of that farm has gone up 33 times purely with government subsidies. And, and I'm saying that kind of abuse can be stopped and we can be funding the Warren plan of 2000 a month per adult until we get this thing behind us because we need the consumption spending. And that amount of money, which won't be that much, by the way, is I'm going to guess another $500 billion would be very good. And, and then if you need more because Jerome Powell's wrong, you extend the program until he's right. Mm-hmm. The second thing that's really relevant about this question is if you do that $2,000 a month, which I think is really essential, some people will get money that probably don't need it. Uh, Benjamin and Christie and Ronaldo probably don't need it to survive. But if we do get it, we'll do one of two things. We'll either increase savings because we're afraid of what's coming and we want to prepare for the, you know, batten down the hatch as the storm is coming. Or we'll probably go out and consume. If we are, right. if, if we are. Or donate. Or donate you know, to the World Business donate. Academy because we're waiting mm-hmm. for people to start getting that message. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, that percentage of spending that will happen is very, very, very high because the vast majority of people getting that money have to have it to pay the rent buy the groceries, pay the car insurance. So we really need to keep pumping that money to the little guy, and that's efficient. That's what's keeping the economy going. All the money that's being squandered, multiples of that, not, not useful. Now, the one other thing that Krugman said, which was also I agree with, we must, in that same spending bill, we must reimburse the states for their COVID-19 costs. You cannot leave the states, which are massive employers and need to be even bigger employers. The states have to fire, hire the contact tracers. The states have to pay the hospital. The states have to pay the EMTs and all the and all the overtime and everything. Those states need to have that money 
and it's got to be part of this bill. And I would send that money directly correlated to how many cases they got in their state and how many hospitalizations. Because that's what determines how much money they need. Now, those two categories, giving money back to the states so they can get out of debt and start working on how do we pay the firemen, the, the policemen, and the school teachers, when in fact, the, we know the spending, which would normally drive budgets higher because you get tax income from the state getting it from people who pay taxes, and they get it from sales tax on top of that. When spending goes down, as it has dramatically, the normal coffers of the state dry up, and now on top of that, you have all these other expenses. So you can't let the states, in effect, go bankrupt because they're not allowed to go bankrupt. The law won't let them. And so that means you've got to help the states get on their feet financially, or you'll be punishing at least a generation, and you'll be you'll be creating way more pandemic, you'll be creating way more destruction in the medical system. The healthcare system will really take a hit, and every other system the government funds will take a hit without it being thoughtful. So should we spend less on prisons because in California now we're not going to have any more private prisons? You bet. We incarcerate over 3 million people in this country, way too many. We can save the money that 1.5 million of those people would cost us, which typically in a state like California is over $40,000 a year. We can take that money and we can redeploy it to teacher salaries. We can redeploy it to the, to the, the medical establishment. We can redeploy it for a variety of reasons. So Krugman came down on the side of it's too expensive to do 2000 a month. He didn't call it the Warren plan, but that's what it is. The problem with that is this. He's really not looking outside the box. So the argument actually might be that it's not, not that it's too expensive, but that we can't afford not to, because what's the alternative? And especially when you look at the this this cliff that we're all talking about, the, the household spending cliff, which might happen when the $600 per week subsidy of unemployment insurance ends in the end of July. Um, these other things which have been putting money directly into the pockets of people who are who would otherwise be in desperate need of yeah. funding or they'd be yeah. going homeless or hungry. Three programs terminate in July, August, and September. And then the airlines are the ones in September. So by October 1, you have to have more spending. Even yeah. Trump is asking for it now because if you don't, you're going to have massive disruption of the entire economy and people will start to really experience what a depression is like right now we're being cushioned from it and and, and you know some people say to me well should the should the federal government be the employer last, last resort the answer is yes why not it'll make all the sense in the world and you know at 2.1 million people already in the federal government alone not including military uh not including like people under in their uniform it, it's a huge employer and then when you add all the state governments it's even bigger so yes we need government and having them pay for policemen and firemen and emts and contact tracers and hospitals and supply chains. That's really smart spending. And infrastructure, really smart spending. It's dumb not to, particularly when interest rates are close to zero. So I, I really want to see that we have a, a much stronger uh, approach to this. And my argument to Krugman is, if you look outside the box, Mr. Krugman, we've been talking a lot, and again, with profound respect, because Mr. Krugman, you're right about 90% of the time from what I can tell. Um, if you look outside the box a little bit, we've been talking about defunding the police. And what we mean by that is taking allocation resources from what would be police and applying them to some other sector of civil support, because not every phone call should result in a guy with a gun and a badge. And so if you take some of that money, you move it over to social services and into education and to some of the things that could keep the community from coming into crisis in the first place, you can actually save the number of cops that die on the job. You can save the amount of violence and you can save vast amounts of money. The same logic 
and I want to be the first guy nationally to say this, the same logic that applies to defunding police applies to defunding the military. It is insane that we have $800 billion a year going into wars we aren't going to fight, and if we do fight them, we'll lose them. Okay, so why would you have $800 billion going there, plus not including the dark budget, which is probably another $200 billion on top of that? So if you just chop the gut, you start chopping the, the military budget, you could pay for the Elizabeth Warren plan all the way through to when it's no longer needed, and you could pay for the Yang plan indefinitely. Plus, you'd have increased consumption and a whole new economic activity that would, would come up. So absolutely, it's economic sense to do it. And Mr. Krugman, I invite you to look at that analysis, because I think that money at the Yang level of $1,000 a month per adult is probably the smartest thing we could do to deal with the fact that AI is reducing the number of jobs in the shop floor. We clearly are going to have a shrinkage of jobs when I can put an 18-wheeler on the road in LA and it can drive all the way by itself to Miami. Clearly, we're going to have a shrinkage of jobs when the, the cash register at my local grocery store is now a computer, which it is. Hey, when you look at all of these things that are happening in the economy, and when we aren't going to have all these retail clerks, so Amazon's not going to hire one warehouse worker for every retail clerk that got fired. But you are going to have reallocations. And last but not least, those people who get the 1000 or 2000 they need that money to go back to school because we're learning that we actually could prepare people for new jobs with distance learning. We don't have to have them sit in the classroom. I mean, I love that idea, Ronaldo. My question for you, though, is, is that is exactly the massive redistribution of wealth that is at the center of the fight right now ideologically because if you gave every single adult in this country a thousand dollars a month i mean you would get it i would get it benjamin would get it but so would the folks who are uh, in these inner cities the people who live on the streets who have nothing else would also be receiving that so all that money will be coming out of the military coffers and these endless wars that we're funding it would be coming out of these other budgets well, and also, going be, across the country. Yeah, it also be, for example, you'll save 40% on the entire bill for medicines in America by just allowing Social Security to buy them on a negotiated basis. 40% yeah. of the entire pill budget in America will fund this thing. And it goes on and on. I mean, the inefficiencies in the medical system, which we now know is not capable of dealing with a pandemic, will get resolved and it will be cheaper as it is in every other country in the world. If we have national health insurance. Well, that's the, that's exactly that's sl- somewhat different than the thousand dollars a month of uh, just direct payments. But no, no, universal no. health care is absolutely something we need well, to do no, as well. No, we're going to talk about no, no, what I'm saying is there's plenty of money out there. You have to look outside the box and say, how do you rearrange right. the way that where the money's going? Who's getting right, it? Right. Driving it. And yeah, the difference between Feder- Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the current administration is Delano Roosevelt believed that nobody won unless everybody won. And so he wanted to bring everybody up, bring all boats up together is what he said, right? And it's the same thing that Martin Luther King has said. In fact, Martin Luther King warned us. He he was talking about the triumvirate of uh, materialism, racism, and um, uh, militarization. These three things together, he saw colliding to destroy America. And he was saying that just as he was shot. And he was right. So we need to like, and, and by the way, Eisenhower, a Republican president who was a general, a very distinguished general in the war, then a president. Uh, I, I got to tell you, Eisenhower warned us, if you haven't seen it, you got to watch his warning. It's a 20-minute, absolutely front, middle, and end speech about watching out for that money. So uh, in the power of the military and the industrial complex, including the educational complex. So let's talk about real quickly on statistics. What do we know today that's important? First of all, I do continue to get this question literally every week from somebody. Is it too late to buy gold? Because when you started recommending it, Ronaldo, it was at $1,200 an ounce. It's up 44% since then in October of 18. 
Uh, and this year, it's up a, an additional 25% just since a year ago. So they asked me, well, is, have we missed it? Is it too late? Now, on this program, I've said many times that I don't see anything that will stop it between here and 2000. And, and I'm that, now comfortable that prediction is going to be absolutely yeah. correct. The other question that I've seen lately, Ronaldo, is how much of your portfolio should you put into gold versus cash or other yeah. types of investments? The answer is 100% of what you don't need for tomorrow morning. <laughs> because I don't think there's a guarantee of the American dollar over the long haul retain its value. And if the American dollar starts to slip, gold goes up even faster. If I'm right that the pandemic is going to make the economy worse structurally, gold's going to go up faster. If I'm right that the machinations that Trump is engaged in to try and keep the price of oil up for his buddy, the Russians, doesn't work and it won't, gold's going to go up faster. So all these things are going to push and the stock market crashing, gold's going to go up faster. So gold's going to keep going up. 2000 is a slam dunk. So if you want to make another couple hundred dollars an ounce on gold, you got plenty of room. I don't think 2000 is the end. I just now think that 2000 is the absolute next stop on this ladder, and it could very well go much higher than that. Uh, and again, if the U.S. dollar starts to tumble, which it very well could, then you'll see that. And so l let's just talk for a second under this international uh, subject. You know, we're, we, we, we've introduced this new thing called global signposts. And, um, you know, the one that you want to watch that's the most clearly states the problem is that the Russians have been found guilty of hiring mercenaries to kill American soldiers. Yeah. Why is that relevant in an economic show? It's relevant because what it tells you is when the president, when Trump was given that briefing in March and proceeded to reward Russia with inviting them to become part of the G8, which he can't do now because the G7 is going to boycott him. So that meeting's over. It shows the degree of control the Russian government has over the president of the United States. So him pushing for higher oil prices against our interests as citizens of this country, and he's been doing it consistently for the benefit of Russia. He has said he will take no action against the Russians up at this point. So since March, when he heard about this putting bounty on American lives, he's taken no action. He was given a, a ream of choices, everything from just at least mildly say you're mad to like, let's really hurt these people. He did nothing. So it shows you the degree of control Putin has. And by the way, the call in which Putin and he discussed that in March turns out to be the call where Putin, when Putin got his invitation to come join the G8. Hmm. So if you think those two aren't tied together, keep thinking. Now, yeah. where that leaves us with oil, and, and, and people are like thinking, oh, oil's going to rebound because, look, you know, China's reopened and it's going to rebound. No, it is not. According to the IMF, they're expecting oil to hit $97.5 a barrel next year, which would still be below 2019 numbers. They believe that based on the belief that the economy will be back in 2021, except for airlines. And we're going to go back to airlines in a second. Well, that's wrong. The economy won't be that strong. In fact, we'll still be clawing our way out of this hole in 2021, which means we won't be using the same amount of oil. Oh, and by the way, we will continue to develop more renewable energy as we go along because climate change is coming, is breathing down our backs. Well, already massive uh, funds are deinvesting from oil, not because of any kind of environmentalism or, you know, trying to save the world. It's just, it just has, does not make financial sense. No, it doesn't. And, and so it, it just does not make financial sense. No. And so we were talking about Russia, for example. So because it's a autocracy, they are able to order their banks to do what they want. So Russia has ordered their banks to fund the drilling of new wells, but not the completion of the wells. Why? Because they're willing to fund having holes in the ground that they can extract oil from tomorrow when it's economic to do so. They cannot sell much more oil at this price. It, 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 at $37 a barrel, they're barely breaking even. 
if, if it goes back down to 30 or less, they're out of business. And that's what funds the entire Russian government, is oil sales. So it's funny that the Russian government, but by the way, the American government tried to do this too, is to fund drilling but not completion. So Trump's done a little of that. The reason it hasn't caught on as big here is because so many banks are in financial trouble that did write that up, that, that, did, that did try to fund basically fracking. So many of them gotten upside down, these banks, that even though they want to fund the drilling, not the completion, they really can't because they're, they're tapped out and so are the companies that they would be funding. In both, by the way, natural gas and oil, just to let people know. Mm -hmm. So the bankruptcies yeah. in, in, in the oil patch will continue to accelerate. I predict that the, the, the price of oil will not get above, uh, the, the volume of oil will not get above 95 million barrels in 2021. And I believe 2022, it'll be lower still. So I, I disagree with the IMF. I think they're wrong at 97.5 million. And let me just touch real quickly on the airlines. So I, I, we're finally seeing a crack in the uniform approach of air travel. American Airlines, which you've heard me say on the show, is the most dangerously positioned airline, just announced today that they're not going to leave the empty seat in the middle. They're going to fill every plane as full as they can to make money. At the same time that Delta and Southwestern announced that they will keep their policy of keeping the middle seat empty and continue to try and improve social distancing. I ask you, everybody, quick, this is, a quick, this is, this is an intelligence test. Which airline would you rather fly on? The one that's going to leave the middle seat empty or American? Well, I'm not flying anywhere, but if I was, I would definitely not fly on American Airlines. Of course not. And that's what's going to cause them to go further into trouble. So they're doing the exact wrong thing out of a scarcity consciousness because they're in trouble financially. I predict, as I did a couple weeks ago, they're going down. I believe that American will get into bankruptcy, which won't be the first time in the last few years. Uh, hopefully it's the last time, but it won't be the first time. Now, where I want to go with that comment, though, is I want to go to this mother city national signpost, which is one of our directors, Dawa Tarchin Phillips of the Academy, fortunately travels on both a German or an American passport. When he went to the airport on Monday to board a plane to Germany, all the Americans who showed up for the flight were denied boarding. Dawa got to take the flight because he has a German passport. Why? Because Germany has already cut Americans off from Germany. The entire EU is about to do it even though American tourism is the biggest source of tourism dollars to all of Europe. When they make a statement like that, which is, we can't afford to let you people here because you're doing such a bad job with coronavirus. We don't want you to reinfect us. We're going to try and fix our problem with pandemic. You don't seem to care. So we can't let your people in here until it's safe. And they put us on a list with other countries like Russia, Brazil, where we belong, where, the, the, for example, the positive testing in Florida, this thing about, oh, you test more, you get more cases. Actually, in Florida last week, they had 13% positives of the people they tested, way above the 10% max. So, you know, it, it, clearly, the rest of the world is signaling you've got to do something smart. Now, let's apply that to the U.S. What Cuomo did with the governors of New being the governor of New York, with the governors of, of New Jersey and Connecticut, was issue a statement that if you're coming from any of the states that have higher than a 10% average positive testing, yeah. positive testing you can't come to, America, to the, the tri-state area without a 14-day quarantine. Now, obviously, that's going to be hard to police. Obviously, that's hard to enforce. But just taking that stand is so smart because it helps people figure out what it is they need to know that's going to keep them and their loved ones alive. And I'm really happy to say that what he's done is smart from the point of view of it focuses the attention of the public in New York. He's going to need that because New York's numbers are starting to spike again. 
And with all the tourism New York gets from all these other states, it's a problem. So good on you. Okay, before I leave the global signpost section, I got to have one celebratory comment today because this really cheered my day up when I saw it. <laughs> so a judge in Brazil, federal judge Renato Borelli, ordered the president of Brazil, who continues to debunk um, the, the validity of the coronavirus, even though Brazil is now the second biggest infection site after the U.S., and I think it says in more deaths per capita. It's closing in on the U.S. It will soon pass us, I think. But he's been ordered to wear protective face masks when he is in public because, in the capital of Brasilia, because the surrounding federal district is full of COVID virus. And uh, he, they pointed out, the judge pointed out, at one rally, he was filmed coughing without covering his mouth. And on another occasion, he was seen sneezing into his hand and then shaking the hand of an elderly woman immediately afterward. <laughs> oh, what man. this means is that if he doesn't wear the mask in public, he and every other public official are going to be subject to a 2,000 real fine. And even though the real is worth less and less every day, I hope he gets the message. President Bolsonaro, you're a bit of a nut job, but do you really want to die from COVID? You're old enough, you're good. I urge you to re examine well, your position. Well, that's just him dying. Anyway. He's also infecting all these other elderly people. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, and just to finish that comment about Germany, you know, one of the reasons Germany's being so vigorous is they think they've got this thing under control. And when it starts to spike, they immediately locked that out. So, for example, mm -hmm. in North Rhine-Westphalia, they have reimposed lockdown restrictions in two districts after a spike in cases. One area is home to a meatpacking plant, sound familiar, where more than 1,500 workers have tested positive. Authorities have put up metal fencing around the residential buildings where plant staff live and are distributing food to more than 7,000 employees. They have been pushing so hard, as, by the way, the Chinese did too. When COVID came back to Beijing, they nailed it. They, and they put contact tracing on it. And why that's so important is you can't do contact tracing if you have too many cases. It overwhelms you. So lots of jobs for people who want to do contact tracing in the future. It's just that we can't do it until we get these numbers down more. I, uh, I just want to talk real quickly about the ACA. You know, the ACA uh, has been attacked again by the federal government Thursday night at midnight uh, in taking the side of the state of Texas and a few other states that want to basically disband the ACA, so-called Obamacare. Now, what's interesting is 500,000 more people file to have ACA coverage the day, Thursday, that the, file, the federal government filed. 500,000 more. Why did that happen? It happened because when you lose your insurance from your employer because you've been fired, and if you've been furloughed, you haven't lost it yet, but you will be when you're terminated, where do you go? Particularly since having had COVID would be a preconsidered precondition. So if you had a precondition, you, you, you couldn't qualify for insurance under this current system. So a pre-existing condition eliminates you. In Obamacare, they don't count. All pre-existing conditions are not looked at. So we need Obamacare now more than ever. That the federal government would be so brain dead as to suggest at a time when, I don't know, 23 million people are on it. I mean, this is insane. In the same number of people are on it now that the day they, they put it in effect that year. So we need this backstop. We, we need insurance coverage. And when this pandemic is over, I assure you, we will have some form of universal coverage. Whether it will be Medicare for all or not, we don't know, although Biden's come out for dropping the Medicare age to 60. And he's indicated that he would put in place, which I think is very smart, the you can buy Medicare option for anybody under 60. So we will have, I believe, universal coverage coming out of this pandemic. The opposite conclusion to quote Churchill, completely unthinkable. <laughs> Well, I, I think that uh, dropping the Medicare age to 60 is a good first step, and then I want to keep dropping it five years every couple of years till we get it to the point where everybody has it. But in the meantime, I want to talk just a little bit about the state of California. And I'll, I'm going to close by saying um, 
I'm no fan of the way Gavin Newsom has been conducted his California approach because I think he put politics and how he looked above what was best for the state. And as a result, he put he put very little teeth into any of the reopening plans, did not differentiate between places like L.A. where it's a hotbed and places like Eureka where they don't have it. Uh, and places like Santa Barbara, California, as a result, have been suffering because he let L.A. travel and they've been coming here on weekends. And so we are now twice as high in infections and hospitalizations as we were at any point during the pandemic, and it's rising rapidly. So we are at risk now, particularly guys with white hair like me, here in Santa Barbara, and we weren't before, and Gavin Newsom could have prevented that by restricting Los Angeles County traffic. And we even know how to do it because we can track your cell phone. So we could, we could tell if you were breaking the rule real easily. A computer can do that. So I would urge Gavin Newsom to get more courage, and I'm hoping that what he's done by this new decree that affects Imperial County, that Gavin's finally getting the message. It's not enough to have a pretty face and, and take the politically popular position. You have to do something gutsy like Cuomo's been doing. And what that is in this case is he said to Imperial Valley, you will either lock down, re-lock down, or you will lose your government funding from the state of California this year. That's the kind of tough love you got to do in this thing. And Imperial Valley, once they get that under control, they'll be fine. But until then, they should be locked down, as should LA County, by the way. So I'm, I'm happy the ACA is there. I can't conceive of it being possibly being re removed. I, I, I share with everybody the bad news that as we go to, 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 to tape this program, there's 228,000 dead Americans. There will be over 230,000 dead ones before you hear the show. 230,000. I do not see an end in sight. I believe that you're going to see double that number before the year end, if we are lucky. And it could be that we won't. It could be that it stops at 200,000. It could be it stops at 250,000. I don't know where it's going to stop. But I know this. When Houston, the, the largest hospital capacity in the country, says that they're out of ICU beds, and all the little places across America which weren't well served to begin with, rural, particularly rural America, I believe you're going to see that death count rise. It may not be reflected in the COVID statistics. You won't know the real number, how many people kill COVID killed, until we do an analysis of how many deaths were not projectable at the beginning of this year that actually occurred. And I do believe you're going to see that the number is at least two to one. And I believe the CDC has a similar point of view. And that's the basis why they're starting to warn people there could be 10 times more infections than we've actually tracked. And the tragedy there is also that all of the years of life which are lost and all of the, you know, the, I mean, they're estimating for most of these people who are dying, they had 10 to 15 to 20 years more of regular life that would have otherwise been in their futures, even if they had a pre-existing condition, yeah, and, even if they're elderly. Yeah. And if you look at the predictions I'm looking at, I think another 20 million Americans are going to lose coverage. Yeah. So this is the last time in the world would you be getting rid of the ACA. Um, I, I just think that it's time we got to wrap the show up. Uh, I'm glad that Florida, Arizona, and Texas are starting to wise up. They realize what they did was just plain stupid. And they're going to start cutting back. So Texas is closing bars again. And I don't know what Florida is going to do. They're wearing masks, I guess, in some parts of Dade County. But I do believe that there's a chance here with enough personal responsibility. And if we got a federal government starting in November, uh, whether they take office or not, they could at least start the discussion. They could start talking to the people as the government in exile in November, the day after the election for what the federal government needs to do to bring this under control. There is no plan. There must be one. There's no, 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 no creativity being given to the allocation of resources. There's no creativity being given to whether or not there should be actual transparency. 
I think a trillion dollars or more has been stolen, just old-fashioned greed and corruption. And how I would love to see that trillion dollars going, I'll Elizabeth Warren's plan, 2000 bucks a pop to every adult until we don't need it, defined as the pandemic's behind us. And I define that as under 10% unemployment. With that, ladies and gentlemen, and Andrew Yang, thank you for suggesting it in the first place. Thank you, Senator Warren, for your comments and your, your, your way of approaching it legislatively. And thank you for all the creative thinkers out there that are going to try and help us resolve this pandemic nested inside of a repression, nested inside of climate change that is absolutely coming at us faster than we could imagine. Last week, and I'll end on this note, Siberia had seven days in a row where instead of snowboarding in June in the Arctic Circle, they actually had temperatures in excess of 85 degrees. On Friday, it was 87. So instead of snowboarding, they were sunbathing uh, in the Arctic. As you and I've talked about in the past, uh, you know, heat kills more people than almost anything. Yeah. No, nobody has Eskimos don't have air conditioners. No. And uh, you look at what happened with the heat wave in, in Europe uh, two years ago. Just, just it cut through like a hot knife through butter. With everybody weakened that way, and COVID were on the rise. I just that, that's why I don't want to see the the actual number because I think the actual number right now is twice one hundred and twenty eight thousand. So it's probably about two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand have already died. I don't want to see another hundred thousand people at least in the column of detected deaths. So we go from one hundred thirty thousand reported deaths to two hundred thirty thousand. But I think that's where we're headed, and we and we aren't going to not get there just because we wish it away. We have got to be smart. And with that, you know, I think it's just that's my plea to everybody. Be smart. Take care of yourself. Get your money out of the out of the stock market. If you haven't done it yet, put it into the, the State Street. It's a good place. I, I gave you several recommendations on that. Write us if you have specific questions or comments. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm pleased to report that although we did the story on REITs last week, I think we did one or two, several weeks ago on REITs, I noticed that the REITs have taken a hit this week. Finally, a few people figured out what we said, which is that, you know, if you have a REIT that specializes in office buildings, who's going to be renting all those office buildings? If you have a REIT that's been buying houses to rent them out, who's going to have the money to rent them out in a depression? If you if you buy a REIT that, that owns shopping centers, need I say more? So the REITs are getting hurt now, and they should, because they can't keep up their cash flow, which is what makes them the attractive investment vehicle they otherwise would be at this time. All right. So I guess we're probably going to be wrapping this show up, but I just wanted to mention that if anyone wants to reach out to us, the email address is info at worldbusiness.org. That's for questions or comments. It's been really great hearing from everybody. Last week, we invited people to write in, just let you let us know you're listening. We got all of those. We're working on that survey. We'll be getting that out. Um, thank you for the few who have contributed to the World Business Academy. Yes, you are, you are, uh, you are, you are saints and, and, and scholars. We thank you for being smart enough to know to support this quality of information so that we can make yeah, more yeah. money for you. <laughs> yes. And I'm hoping that people will subscribe to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast Stitcher, however they're listening. If they, lis- if they listen to us there, it'll also help us boost our reach. So just wanted to remind everybody that we really appreciate them for listening and we love hearing from you. Thanks, everybody. Let's, uh, let's talk again next week. 